Hey guys, good morning and welcome to a new episode. This is your host Mohammed. We'll start today with bronchial atresia. As the name sound atresia, we're talking about a segment that is small compared to the rest of the uh, bronchial at that level. So we have atritic or very small bronchus. Distal to it, we have normal structure or normal bronchi. What this results in that the mucus or the fluid that is produced in the alveoli and the distal bronchi cannot be cleared because of the stenosis or atresia. This results in the mucosal formation. So the mucosal is not the atritic finding, it's a sequela of having bronchial atresia. Now, the area, the pulmonary parenchyma supplied by that bronchial will be hypertrophied uh, or hyperlucent. It's hyperlucent and hyperinflated because airway or inhaling the airway is active. So there is forceful inhalation of air and that can get past the atritic segment. And then ventilation is only limited to that segment and it's done through collateral pathway, which means that there is accumulation of air. And so that segment of the lung would be hyperinflated with mucosal due to chronic obstruction because of the atresia. So we'll have the dilation or the mucosal formation because the content are not able to leave the bronchus. On CT scan, we see a hyperinflated lucent lung and we can see mucosal consistent with central atretic segment. Most common site for bronchial atresia is the left apical posterior. Again, the most common location is left apical posterior for bronchial atresia. Gray matter heterotopia. This is a migration disorder resulting from arrest of neuronal migration in utero. And we have a couple of types. We have subependymal heterotopia where we have white matter or gray matter in the subependymal location. We have focal subcortical heterotopia and diffuse or band heterotopia. On MRI imaging, it must follow the signal characteristics of the gray matter on all sequences. Again, gray matter heterotopia from the name, we have gray matter where it should not belong, common types, subependymal heterotopia, focal subcortical heterotopia, and diffuse band heterotopia. This results from arrest of neuronal migration in utero, and the heterotopic gray matter should follow all signal characteristics of gray matter and demonstrate no post-contrast enhancement as gray matter would. Role of diffusion restriction in abdominal imaging. It's a great sequence for looking at lymph nodes. It is also a great sequence for looking at hepatic or extrahepatic malignancies that are not defined on other series. Bone metastasis are very conspicuous on diffusion restriction and can play a role when we don't have uh, contrast or contrast is not available. What is the differential for the pedicle sign? Pedicle sign refers to absence or destruction of the pedicle on radiograph. So differential for it is metastasis, aneurysmal bone cyst, and osteoblastoma. Again, uh, differential for pedicle sign is metastasis, aneurysmal bone cyst, ABC, and osteoblastoma. Metastasis prefers the pedicle because of their increased blood supply. Common muscles involved in tennis elbow. Tennis elbow is associated with common extensor tendinosis. The way I remember it is tennis starts with a T and extensor has a T. This is as opposed to flexor, which is a different pathology. Again, tennis elbow is due to common extensor tendinosis. What is the additional name for Marchi Fava Bignami disease? It is also called a progressive neurological disease of alcoholism. So progressive neurological disease of alcoholism is the same thing as Marchifava Bignami disease.
What is bucket factor? Bucket factor is the relative increase in dose due to grid. So when we add grid, it will increase the dose to the patient. But on the other hand, it will improve the resolution of the image because it gets rid of stray photons or x-rays. Now, that addition or the factor of radiation increase is called bucket factor. Again, bucket factor is the relative increase in dose due to placement of grid. And we should not confuse it with grid ratio, which is the grid height divided by the space between the grid columns. Again, bucket factor is the relative increase in dose due to placement of grid. What is colloid shift? Colloid shift refers to accumulation of sulfur in the spleen and bone marrow due to disease of the liver. Again, sulfur colloid on nuclear medicine preferentially goes to the liver, to a normal liver. When there is hepatocellular dysfunction, sulfur colloid will accumulate in the spleen and bone marrow, and so we'll see the spleen brighter than the liver, and that is indication of hepatocellular dysfunction, most commonly due to cirrhosis. Gallbladder varices, what is the etiology and imaging presentation? So gallbladder varices typically is sequela of portal hypertension. On gray scale ultrasound, we see several hypoechoic cystic structures within the gallbladder wall, and on color Doppler, we see a flow within these collections. Again, gallbladder varices, sequela of portal hypertension, and on grayscale gray color ultrasound, sorry, Grayscale ultrasound, we see hypoechoic cystic structures within the gallbladder wall, which demonstrate flow when we put color. What are the parts of the jugular foramen? Jugular foramen is two parts, pars nervosa and pars vascularis. They are separated by the jugular spine. Again, pars nervosa, which is more anterior, and pars vascularis, which is posterior. You think of pars vascularis as posterior and it is closer to the sigmoid sinus. Nervosa is like being in the front of a line, so he's pretty nervous. Again, pars nervosa and pars vascularis uh, are parts of the jugular foramen. They're separated by the jugular spine. It's important to know the, the structures, the vollicula. So the vollicula is anterior, the space anterior to the epiglottis. The aeropoglottic folds are the folds that hold the epiglottis on both sides. And finally, the periform fossa. This is a fluid-filled structure around the epiglottis, and it is within contained within the thyroid cartilage. So again, on CT scan, it's important to differentiate them. It would be nice if you can look up an image or maybe a swallow study and see these structures. Follicula anterior to the epiglottis. Periform fossa along the lateral margin of the epiglottis within the thyroid cartilage. And finally, the epiglottic fold, which are the folds that are holding the epiglottis. Review from a couple of days ago, large functional ovarian cysts that are a result of ovarian stimulation due to high levels of beta-HCG. This is theca luteal cysts typically are bilateral because elevated beta-HCG is systemic and can be associated with gestational troph trophoblastic disease or any cause for highly elevated beta-HCG such as twin pregnancy or so on. Again, theca luteal cysts are functional ovarian cysts that result from high level of beta-HCG. Imaging features of omental infarct. This is typically a right-sided pathology presenting as a large fat-containing mass centered in the omentum with fatty stranding. This may be 
or may not be close to the colon and typically is larger than epiploic appendagitis and less defined. So again, epiploic appendagitis, we said yesterday that it's seen in the left colon due to rotation of the colonic appendages or the fatty appendages around the colon. Omental infarct is can be close to the colon or may not, does not have to be, but typically seen on the right side. It is bigger than epiploic appendagitis, but less defined. What are common locations for osteosarcoma? We typically see it in the metaphysis of the distal femur and proximal tibia. Again, distal femur and proximal tibia. What is the differential for cystic lesions of the lower male urogenital system? So if it's a medial so medial cyst, we have prosthetic utricle cyst and Mullerian duct cyst. Again, median cysts are prosthetic utricle and Mullerian duct cysts. Paramidline cyst is an ejaculatory duct cyst. Again, the cyst in the lower male urogenital tract depend on the location. We have the median location and the differential is two, prosthetic utricle cyst and Mullerian duct cyst. Paramidline cysts are ejaculatory duct cyst. One last time, median cyst are prosthetic utricle and Mullerian duct cyst. Paramidline cyst is an ejaculatory duct cyst. Differences between Panner's disease and osteochondritis desiccans. So Panner's disease is also known as osteochondrosis of the capitellum. Both processes involve the capitellum, particularly present with lateral elbow pain. The age is slightly different. In Panner's disease, the patient is relatively younger, 7 to 12 years old. In osteochondritis desiccans, it is 13 to 16 years old. Inciting event, Panner's disease is almost always associated with throwing activity. Osteochondritis desiccans is, there is some association, but not as clear. In Panner's disease, we don't have any locking or catching, which we do have with osteochondritis desiccans because there is loose body. X-ray appearance, there is the, in Panner's disease, the entire capitulum is involved. In osteochondritis desiccans, we have an island of bone or loose fragment. Treatment for Panner's disease, because we said there is no loose body, it's usually inflamed. Non-operative with good prognosis in Osteochondritis desiccans, because there is a break-off or a bone island, may require surgery. To summarize Panner's disease, younger age patient, the entire capitulum, pan-capitulum, or Panner's disease is involved and it does not require surgery. For osteochondritis desiccans, there is a isolated loose fragment or bony uh, island. This will can require surgery, typically seen in older kids 13 to 16 years of age and not associated with throwing. What is the total annual radiation dose for the whole body? The whole body, we said, is 50 millisievert. Again, annual radiation dose limit for the whole body is 50 millisievert. What is that in millirem? We said each millisievert is 100 millirem. So 50 millisievert is 5,000 millirem. If we were to convert that into rem, we get 5 rem. So 50 millisievert is 5 rem. So the annual dose limit for the whole body is 5 rem. What is the annual dose limit for the lens from prior episode? We said that's 150 millisievert. Again, 150 millisievert for the lens would equal to 15,000 millirem or 15 rem. What is the time between two radiofrequency pulses? That's the repetition time. 
again, repetition time or TR is the time between two radio frequency pulses. What is the differential for cerebral vascular malformation? We can have a atriovenous malformation or AVM. We can have venous angioma, otherwise known as developmental venous anomaly. We also can have cavernous angioma or malformation. And finally, capillary telangiectasias. Again, four things, AV malformation, venous angioma or DVA, cavernous angioma or malformation, and capillary telangiectasia. Difference between chondroma and inchondroma. So basically the location. Chondroma is on the surface of the bone, similar pathology as inchondroma, and often it would calcify. If we think of it as bone island, the other term for bone island is inostosis. Inostosis, just like inchondroma, Chondroma is on the external or periosteal chondroma is on the surface of the bone and chondroma is in within the bone. Wernicke's encephalopathy, when is it seen and what it is? So it is a form of thiamine or vitamin B1 deficiency, typically seen in alcoholics, starvation or fasting patients for a long period of time, post-bariatric surgery, hyperemesis gravidum, and chronic dialysis patients. Presentation is a triad of acute confusion, ataxia, and ophthalmoplasia. Again, triad of acute confusion, ataxia, and ophthalmoplasia. Imaging features of Wernicke encephalopathy. We have increased T2 or flare signal involving the mammillary body, dorsomedial thalami, tactile plate, periaqueductal area, and around the third ventricle. Again, Wernicke encephalopathy related to vitamin B1 deficiency, and we see increased T2 and flare signal around the mammillary bodies or in the mammillary bodies, dorsomedial thalami, tactile plate, periaqueductal area, and around the third ventricle. A chronic form of Wernicke encephalopathy or chronic thiamine deficiency would lead to Kartzkoff psychosis, which is memory loss or global amnesia with confabulations. I think we'll stop here today and uh, we'll pick it up tomorrow. Thank you.